Hi there, Hal Anderson. Welcome to the podcast. Please rate the podcast and please subscribe to the podcast. I would appreciate it. On the podcast today, Rob Nash. He is one of the recipients of the Order of Manitoba. Rob is an amazing musician. Great guy. Wait till you hear the conversation. Cindy Palm, live in London with Donald Trump, one of our global news reporters, and Dave Patrician, the sports doctor, will join us to talk about a bunch of sports, including the re-upping of Connor Hellebuck with the Jets, $37 million over six years. Enjoy the podcast. Joining us on the phone, Rob Nash. Well, congratulations on the Order of Manitoba. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Never thought that would happen, but yeah, it's pretty cool, man. Yeah. Tell me your reaction when you heard. Yeah, I got a call from Mrs. Philman, and uh, uh, I was like, what's this all about? I was supposed to call her back, so I called her, and uh, she's, you know, it's just really bizarre because she goes, man, I've been a fan of your work for a while, and I'm so excited that, you know, you're going to be receiving the Order of Manitoba. I'm like, you know who I am? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I just, I, I don't know, I still just really have a small town, southern Manitoba boy attitude, I guess. I just, you know, when we started this whole thing, it was really difficult. Like, it takes a long time to get a reputation, unless it's a bad one, that only takes a day. But <laughs> a good reputation takes a long time, and it really was difficult to have this desire to help young people with deal, dealing with addiction and suicide and stuff, but... uh you know, finally st- schools started letting us in, and prisons, youth detention centers, and uh, as it grew, it was just really remarkable to see, and now it's growing to a place where, you know, we can't even get to every school that we want to, um, but uh, we got so many great partnerships, even right here in Manitoba, like, uh, you know, True North, just wonderful people, they let us use the Walker Theater now, or sorry, the Burton Cummings Theater, and they... Um, uh, we do multiple shows there every year where they bring in seven, eight schools for one show. So it's really neat to see that uh, what we're doing is still helping a few people. Yeah, and for people that aren't familiar, Rob, with what you've been doing now for many years, explain how you use music to help young people that are in trouble. Yeah, well, when I was 17, I was in a car accident, found with no pulse, not breathing, and uh, as you can tell from my voice, I came back to life and uh, got a second chance at things. And I wondered... You know, like, I didn't wake up enlightened wanting to change the world. I was really bitter and angry, suicidal thoughts, dealt with a lot of stuff. And uh, I wondered how many other young people like me going through those same things and not talking about it. And uh, so I decided, you know, I wanted to tell my story so other people wouldn't have to die like I did before they started to live. And um, so I started playing music as a way to tell that story and got a record deal, got a few top ten hits on the radio, and then had the chance to rip up that record deal and do a tour through schools and youth detention centers and reserves up north. Uh, telling my story so I ripped up the deal and started doing that and it started growing and uh, yeah we put the band back together and started uh, the show's getting bigger got stages donated we got a tour bus donated from some people we'd never even met before we got uh, you know uh, perimeter airlines gives us free free flights to reserves up north so we tell stories about what young people are dealing with addictions suicide um, you know all these things and and we watch people have massive breakthroughs, and we've had now 807 students even hand us suicide notes at the end of our shows. And uh, that means kids are walking around with suicide notes in their pockets in class. And uh, it's, just, it's just remarkable to see that we can use music and stories to see people have, like, massive breakthroughs. Yeah, you knew you were onto something early, Rob, when these young people started coming to you and saying, you have played a role in me deciding not to take my own life. 
yeah, the first time it happened was in Ontario. You know, I'd never even, I wasn't even brave enough to share my own suicidal thoughts that I had gone through. Like, I would just talk about trying to make every day count. But then a school in Ontario called and they said, you know, we just lost a student to suicide. And on the suicide note, it revealed that, that the student had a pact with one of her friends. And uh, so, like, it was, if you kill yourself, I'll kill myself. And the principal said, we don't know who it is. So we flew out. We do our shows for free. We're just like, how do we not go immediately? So we went to the school, and I knew somebody in the audience sitting right in front of us was about to take their life. And uh, so I started speaking openly. I'm like, I know somebody sitting right in front of us right now is thinking about suicide, and you're not alone. And that was the first time somebody walked up to me and handed me a note. you know. And then I started doing you know, different, uh, just trying to learn as much as I can and speaking with police. And police had told, us, told me that on average when they come on the uh, site of a suicide, and they look at the note that's written, it's not fresh. The note they say is usually, especially for teenagers, it was written two to three months prior to taking their life. They, they write the note, they fold it up, put it in their pocket, their wallet, their purse, whatever, and they carry it with them and they wait for somebody to push them over the edge or wait for somebody to you know, tell them they're not alone and it's going to be okay and, and there's a way out of that darkness. And uh, so we just started doing that every show, just saying, I know somebody here is thinking that because one in five teenagers has a mental illness of some sort and 35% of those I've been told by Kids Help Phone have already thought of a way of how they take their life. Like they've made that plan. So I just speak at every show as if somebody sitting right in front of us is, is having those thoughts in that moment. And it never ceases to amaze me um, that people have breakthroughs. Because people always talk about, like, if somebody insults you or says something nasty to you, that it, it'll take a thousand compliments to undo that one bad thing. And I, I understand the words can be very powerful in a negative sense, but I, I actually think that the power that can be said with a positive, reinforcing word and can really, really have a massive impact on somebody's life. And, and I didn't realize that it would have a lasting effect. I really, it was the hardest thing in the beginning. I wondered, is this kid handing me a suicide note and it's going to just be back tomorrow? But now we go back to schools we were at four or five years ago and students are still show, showing us they've kept that promise. They've fought off those thoughts. They've stopped cutting. They've gotten help because we work very closely together with the uh, counselors at the schools and the social workers and stuff so that we can make sure that they get the follow-up help that they need. Yeah. What is it about, you talk about the power of words, Talk about the power of music. Why is music so powerful to do good? Well, think about it. When you listen to music, you know, if you want to calm yourself down, you can turn music on and it has the power to do that. But when you're about to go on the ice and play hockey, you can turn on a different song and it impacts you. Like it can change your heart rate. And you look at any student, teenager walking around the streets and tell me they don't have earphones in their ears. They're listening to something. Something is feeding them. And that's why I decided to play music and tell my story that way, because everybody's listening to something. And if you could feed them, you know, lyrics that are actually, you know, going to help them grow and let them know that they're not alone. Like, I don't ever tell anyone that I've got all the answers. Or, and in fact, if I meet teachers or, or even parents that say, hey, my kid's suicidal, what do I say to make these, this go away? And I say, look, those words don't exist. You know, if, that, if those words existed, I'd tell you what they are. But what we try to do is really through the music is smash out all these cliches. Like if someone tells you like you've lost your mom or dad and that pain's going to go away, guess what? It's not. But we always try to just put the focus in a different way and say, look, if pain doesn't go away, neither does the strength. And if you wake up in the morning looking for pain, you'll find it. You'll succeed. But if you wake up in the morning looking for strength or hope or help, you can find that too, and it's really a matter of focus. And what do you want to see when you wake up? 
And it's really remarkable to see how many of these students that we've met have tattooed those lyrics on their arms where they used to cut themselves or insert the needles. Before I let you go, Rob, pick one of your songs. I want to play a bit of one of your songs as we head to a break here. Uh, Shadows would be a really good song for this. Rob, I know this isn't about you, but enjoy today. You are an amazing person. I'm so glad I know you. Keep doing the great work, and thank you very much. Yes, uh, I was like doing that. Uh, Donald Trump is—he uh, uh, has left uh, the NATO meeting, and he is now in Britain. And then, of course, his uh, meeting with Vladimir Putin is coming up. Global news reporter Cindy Palm joins us now live from across the pond. Hello, Cindy. Hello. Good afternoon. Tell me about London. What is President Trump doing as we speak? Well, he's largely avoiding London, but today is the first day of his four-day trip to the U.K. This is his first visit as the president of the United States, and it comes at a time when there are tens of thousands of people who are expected to protest. He touched down this afternoon in London, uh, made a trip to the U.S. ambassador's residence in central London, where he will be staying tonight. Um, But the big event today is the black tie dinner with Theresa May, but that is not happening in London. That is happening at Blenheim Palace, which is in Oxfordshire. Uh, So for the most part, uh, the U.S. president is avoiding London. London. The White House, uh, when asked whether or not um, this strategy was to avoid protesters, has denied it, um, but that is what a lot of people suspect. He'll be meeting with Prime Minister May, but also the Queen. Tell me about that. He will be having tea with the Queen tomorrow at Windsor Castle, and that will happen after he has an official working lunch uh, with Theresa May uh, tomorrow. Uh, So again, both of those events not taking place in London. But while they are happening, though, there are tens of thousands of people who are expected to gather in central London. They will be marching from BBC headquarters all the way down to Trafalgar Square Friday afternoon. And up high in the sky, uh, there is expected to be a uh, big Baby Trump blimp, a uh, baby Trump in a diaper um, that uh, generated a lot of controversy because first, London's mayor said that it wouldn't be allowed to fly, but then there were thousands of people who signed a petition and uh, the mayor of London then reversed his decision, so that is expected to fly. Uh, Trump, though, will probably not be able to see it himself in person because, again, he is uh, avoiding uh, London. Talk a bit about security, Cindy. I imagine that's over the top. There are a lot of police officers and the full cost has not been revealed yet um, because the Home Office says that the figure will really be known at the very end of the visit. But there, uh, there is expected to be a massive police presence with thousands of officers here um, just heavily guarding this visit. I imagine his meeting with the Queen will be mostly ceremonial, but when he meets with Theresa May, what are they going to talk about? I imagine Brexit, right? What else? 
on Brexit. Uh, they'll be talking about uh, the U.S.-EU trade war, but also uh, Prime Minister May is will likely be pressured to address some of the more controversial issues. For example, the controversial domestic American policy of separating immigrant children from their parents, uh, Trump's comments in the past as they related to Muslims. Uh, and so uh, this, this is an interesting time. There are a lot of different issues and a lot of issues in which uh, the two countries have really stood at at opposite ends. Um, so there there will be a lot to discuss, uh, not just at uh, the black tie uh, dinner today, but also when they do have that working lunch tomorrow. Trump has to feel good about how things went with the other NATO leaders. He got them to spend more money. And Trump, in fact, uh, actually addressed uh, addressed the issue of Brexit today uh, at the, after the summit in Brussels, uh, the NATO summit, in which um, he basically suggested that perhaps um, the deal that Prime Minister May has is perhaps not the one that they should have. But he stopped short of saying that it was uh, that it was the wrong deal. Uh, but he did uh, make reference to it, and he also said that he was confident that the people in the UK. Um, do like him a lot. And uh, Prime Minister May did respond uh, to that statement that Trump made today uh, by saying by saying and defending uh, her position and saying that she believes Brexit delivers uh, people's wishes. After Britain, Cindy, Trump will be in Scotland at one of his golf courses and then on to the big meeting with Putin. Tell us about that. Will you be traveling along? Unfortunately, I will not be traveling to Helsinki for the meeting there on Monday, but I'm sure that I, along with everyone else, will be watching it very carefully. That's right. Trump will be spending um, the weekend in Scotland golfing. He owns a couple of golf courses there. And then after that, it is on uh, to the big meeting with uh, Russia's uh, president on Monday. Cindy, thanks for your time. I think we're talking again tomorrow. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it as well. Thank you. Global News reporter Cindy Palm with Donald Trump in London. And uh, as we said there at the end, Cindy will join us again tomorrow. We'll get the latest on, boy, busy, busy, big week for uh, the president, right? NATO got them to spend more money. Now, uh, it's funny how he's not spending very much time in London, right, with the blimp. And, you know, the other thing that I was going to play the other day and I, I forgot, do you know what song is rising the charts in uh, in London, in Britain, all for, I don't know, several days now, uh, Green Day's American Idiot <laughs> has been, uh, they're trying to make it, a, their, their campaign over there, they're trying to make it the number one song with Trump there. So anyhow, my, my point was Trump uh, not spending much time in London, where obviously there would be a lot more protesters in the blimp and, you know, all this other stuff. And then once he's out of Britain, he's going to go to Scotland, as Sydney mentioned, and then on to Helsinki, where he will meet with Vladimir Putin. This is exciting for many reasons, but mainly because I love it here and I want to be part of this team and I really believe this team has what it takes. Connor Hallebuck! has uh, re-upped with the Jets and here to talk about that and other sports. The sports doctor, Dave Patrician. Hello, Dave. Hi, Hal. How are you, man? I'm great. I just came from the 25th anniversary Gold Eyes Luncheon where they uh, honored Hal Lanier and going to retire his jersey tonight at uh, Shaw Park. So it's a fantastic little luncheon I was at. Yeah, Collier was on our air the other day talking about that and I thought, boy, that'd be fun to go to, you know, Hal Lanier. Yeah, yeah. 
certainly was. And uh, Rick Forney, the the current manager, yep. and uh, some great alumni guests were there. And uh, and it, it was a tremendous thing, an opportunity to run, raise some money for the Field of Dreams Foundation and uh, honor a really good guy, the guy that really gave you know he's given twenty years to independent baseball. Hal Lanier, after uh, you know his career in uh, in major leagues and managing in major leagues and things like that. So yeah, it was, in, fan, it was fantastic. Gr- great career in the bigs, and then was here for well, I think he was here a decade or so, eh? Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Never, I don't think he ever won the big one, but came close. They talked about how uh, around about 2011, right after 9-11, they, um, they, they were in New Jersey. They flew into New Jersey after being grounded in Lincoln for a little while. And uh, there was very, very rare flights. And mm. uh, they, 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 the series, I guess, was head, headed back to Winnipeg. And Jersey couldn't get to Winnipeg. So Sam Cates actually ponied up and, and bought tickets for everybody to come. And then the moral of the story is uh, Jersey beat us in Winnipeg for the championship back in 2011. So Wow. Well, while we're talking Gold Eyes, let's continue. We'll get to Hellebuck in a second. But were you a part of that big Gold Eyes game the other night? Went on for hours and hours and hours? <laughs> I was for part of it, but uh, you know, at some point, uh, you the guy had go. to go back to his day job. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. I, I, I made it to the top of the sixth inning. It was great. It was really hot because uh, you know, with eleven o'clock start, the sun is a much different position, and it, it was crazy. The place was full of kids because daycares and and uh, all kinds of youth groups uh, go there. And uh, yeah, you know what? Driving home from work, I probably could have popped back in and, and yeah. <laughs> caught another inning. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, let me play another clip here from Connor Hellebuck, and then we'll talk about him re-signing with the Jets. Here he is telling reporters today why he wanted to stay here in Winnipeg with the Jets. Just because I've settled in and the fans are great and the organization's great and I've gotten along great with the team here and the chemistry's been built and I think the tools are in this locker room to be a championship team and that's fun. You know, that's fun to play and that's the reason we grew up playing is to have this kind of chance and uh, go after our dream. You know, I'm such a cynic I'm so jaded as I was hearing that. And he seems like a great guy and he played well and he deserves it and all that kind of stuff. But as he's saying, oh, I like it, I'm settled in. I'm thinking, yeah, $37 million over six years, I could settle into a salary like that too. Yeah, you buy a lot of snow shovels for, <laughs> for no that kidding. kind of money too. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But I, was just, I was just wondering if, if he's hiring, he needs someone to, you know, maybe uh, tend to his <laughs> garden, uh, do some stuff. It'd be kind of nice. The guy's got a couple of bucks to throw around. Yeah. But obviously, great news for the Jets. Yeah, he had a tremendous season, a big part of why we went so deep into the playoffs. Uh, I just love the story about how he struggled the season before, and, and the Jets signed Steve Mason, and, and he was training hard, training hard in the offseason, and, and um, didn't go into a, as much of a funk as Michael Hutchinson. But basically, he took the right attitude. I'm going to prove something. And he came after Steve Mason struggled for the first couple of games. And, yeah. man, when Connor Hallibuck got a chance. And, and uh, yeah, you know, along the way, there's, there was some, a couple of games that maybe he, he struggled in again. But he is an elite goalie, the sixth highest paid in the NHL now. And, of course, a, a Vesna Trophy nominee for last season. Yeah. How are you feeling about the Jets now? Uh, you know, we've seen uh, – I guess we've got a pretty good sense of what the team is going to look like next year. You feel good about it? Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking about, you know, uh, it's unfortunate the Jets weren't able to come to a deal with Paul Stasny. Yeah. Uh, from what I understand, they had a, they, they agreed on the length of contract, but just couldn't close the deal on money. And you can't really fault Paul Stasny for that as he's is the career is comes into the twilight. You got to earn a living, and yeah. because you know, hey, three more years, four more years, you're into your 35, 36 years old. You don't have a source of income. Now, somebody might say, well, you know, the guy made X amount of dollars throughout his career, but 
you know, you take half of that for taxes and you get agents and things like that. Like, I mean, that's going to survive you from 35 on and you're going to live till 80. That's going to last you a long, long, long time because yeah. not everybody goes into the broadcast booth. But back to your question, I feel really good. I mean, we lost a couple of other pieces. Um, you know, they, 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 they trade Steve Mason. They, they lose Matt Hendricks to free agency. But we've got such a depth in this organization. Like, the fact, the press box was so crowded with guys that uh, just couldn't make the lineup. Guys with real talent, the, the, the Jack Rostoviks of the world, even guys that didn't come up but they came, came back and go down, um, Brennan Lemuse and the Nick Batans. These guys are, a lot of those guys are the future of the Winnipeg Jets, and we've seen guys rise, took the ball and ran with it, so to speak, put the puck in the net, and uh, every hole I think that they filled. And by not signing Paul Stasny, it really allows uh, Kevin Shovel Day off to look around and see where he can spend some of that money he would have spent on Paul Stasny and sign some of these guys to long-term deals. And you saw the first of it with uh, Connor Hellebuck. Yeah. Dave, I'm, I'm curious to know if, uh, let's say the Bombers are in the playoffs again uh, next year. Will there ever be the excitement that we saw this past season about a Jets run in the playoffs? I'm not so sure we'll ever see that sort of uh, enthusiasm. And it just seemed like all the planets lined up this time. Yeah, I, I guess so many years of uh, disappointing Winnipeg Jets hockey, yeah. and, and and we just got up to such a great start, and then they saw when Kevin Cheveldayoff added the Paul Stasny's of the world, and we were able to just all of a sudden, you know, we, we were able to run through Minnesota, run through Nashville, mm. but stalled up at Vegas. But you're absolutely right, Hal, and I just don't want this community to turn into a Calgary or Edmonton or Vancouver where – the NHL becomes the be-all, end-all, and people then start to gradually forget about the Canadian Football League because we're a major market. We're a playoff team. You know, you see this now. You look at, you know, Calgary, uh, you know, at, uh, attracts 28,000 fans or 27,000 fans and 26,000 fans. That's a city of over a million people. Same with Edmonton, you know. Toronto, we don't even want to talk about what's happening in Toronto with uh, only 12,000 bothering to show up on a beautiful Saturday afternoon. Vancouver, the same thing. So we need to really get there. And, that's, and when the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, they're going to go deep into the playoffs too this yep, year. Because I think you, so. you, can, you see this squad. Yeah, we need to show that love. We need to start. And people, Saturday, yes, it was hot outside. Saturday, yes, the weekends are few and far between in the summertime. But you got to come out and support your Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Like yeah. that was a great, great effort by a great football team. Matt Nichols led on Saturday. And we can put it together. We can do it again this this Friday, sorry, Saturday night in Vancouver. Yeah. It's going to be, I think it's going to be another barn burner. Yeah, I, I think it's, uh, and, and I, uh, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, a few things I haven't had a chance to talk to you about yet on air, but um, the, the Matt Nichols factor, because having him back at the helm, every element of the Bombers, every part of the team played better knowing he was back. You're, you're absolutely correct. You saw the, you saw the, um, the O line step up. There was no sacks. Barely got to. There was no pressure. Almost. I mean, hey, yeah. you have to always remember we're playing the BC Lions. But you know, the name of the game on defense is to get the quarterback and, and hammer him, and that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. The O line stepped up. Andrew Harris had a great game. Guys are pulling in balls. They, you know, great, great catches. All these guys. And then when we saw Chris Trevor come back into the game, able to to to, to baffle the offense, the defense a little bit, and provide an additional spark in some great situations. So not only do we have Matt. Matt Nichols back, yeah. but we've got a one-two punch Love it. for the first. Yeah, for the first time since the days of Tom Clements and John Huffnagel, in my mind. 
Yeah, no, I agree. And I, I think we're going to have a, a great season going forward now with Matt Nichols. And, and you're right, that one-two punch, Nichols and Strevler, fantastic. And and Adam Big Hill. And, uh, yeah, the well, fact the fact that nobody uh, touched Nichols in that game, I mean, there's just – I almost feel more excited this year than last year. And I think a lot of people last year thought, we're going to the Cup, we're going to win the Cup. But I, I really think this year might be the year, a better chance of that. Yeah, and you mentioned number four, Adam Bighill. Do you people realize this man is five foot ten? Does he play like a guy who's five foot ten? He plays like a guy who's six foot ten. He's yeah. all over the field. It's probably it probably took him three to four games to really get into his groove as a Winnipeg Blue Bomber. And I love the fact that he just punished and, and came up with a couple of great plays, a couple of great balls against his own old team, the BC Lions. And, and, you know, there were some rumblings before that. Well, will, will he go back after yeah. the season? You know, it was so late that Wally Buono couldn't put him on it. No. You know, you show him that love. Winnipeg, show him that love. He's going to sign here. This is a great place to be. Well, and now we've got uh, Valor FC. So, I mean, you know, soccer or, or that type of football is coming. Boy, I'm telling you, for a sports fan, there is a lot for you uh, to cheer for and be excited about here in Winnipeg and in Manitoba. Let me uh, play something, Dave. Uh, you know, I, I've said a few times about World Cup soccer and uh, the finals coming up on Sunday. It's going to be Croatia and France. And and I just, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I, <laughs> I, I get that people are fans and, you know, I'm not trying to slam the sport. So we've got, uh, you know, the sport, we've got Valor FC. But I put a little something together. This is basically for people like me that don't really understand the, the foot, that type of football. Here is... I'm calling it my World Cup Soccer Guide so you can better understand the sport. Take a listen. First of all, they're going to call it football, even though in this football, the injuries are fake. They don't use the number zero. They call it nil. And they don't play on a field. It's called a pitch. Keeping score is easy. It's always nil to nil. Then, after a couple hours of running around, they have a shootout. And that extra 10 minutes is the only exciting part of the game. It's like if every (laughs) baseball game ended in a tie, they'd have a home run derby at the end of the game. Yeah. Hey, maybe there is something to the whole soccer thing. And that's all you need to know about World Cup football. There you go. Soccer. So, soccer, right. Football. Soccer. If you're watching on Sunday, Croatia and France, there you go. A little uh, a little help for you uh, non-fans. There's two thoughts I have. It would have been neat to see if Roger Federer would have went to the finals at Wimbledon and England advanced to the finals. Both of those yes. games would have been played on Sunday. So the fans of England would have had to have a choice. I, I, I kind of know which way they're going to. But Roger Federer gave a, gave a great interview a couple of days ago saying, well, yeah, you know, fans at the, at the World Cup will be glued to their TVs at watching my game, right? Like, you know, full, full tongue-in-cheek. But <laughs> sec- secondly, when these games, like, like, like they said in the clip you played, I really do think... This is just an excuse for people to drink beer. You sit around for a couple of hours. Yeah. You, you basically talk with your friends. Right. That's all you're really doing. Yeah. And then, yeah, okay, 10 minutes to go. Here's the extra time. Yeah. And yeah. then that's when you get to watch. And then everybody goes, well, gets in the cab and goes home. Cause, or, or goes fighting like they do overseas. Yeah. But, but it, it, the World Cup, is, is, it's, I really do think, and I've heard some rumblings, too, that, that the organizers and the, and, the, and the guys that run soccer over there are getting tired of the phony injuries, the, mm. the rolling around. I mean, there's been some great commercials. You can put Google them, go on YouTube and watch them, how they play this up. There's one where a guy rolls all the way to a KFC. It's absolutely <laughs> hysterical. But it is. It's like, a, you know, you watch it. You watch football. You watch the Thursday night football game in Saskatchewan, Hamilton, where when one of the Hamilton players got a blindside hit. Oh. He got smoked. He didn't see it coming. But he gets up and he gets back into the huddle. You don't see that in soccer. Yeah. All right, Dave, I got to go. Thanks, pal.
Thanks, help. Dave Patrician, the sports doctor. You can find him on Twitter at the sports doctor.